Hey, welcome to Craft Talk. I'm Tito Mendoza, and this podcast is a collection of interviews with people of different disciplines, ranging from creativity, business, and lifestyle. By diving into my guest's story and learning about how they approach their craft, I hope that these conversations help you find different ways to improve your own. Enjoy. All right. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Craft Talk. I'm Tito, and for this interview, I'm joined by the one, the only, Isaac Knox. Isaac is a multi-talented entertainer, all the way from being a tried and tested battle rapper, a stand-up comic, and also he's the co-founder of the freestyle rap company called Free Daps. Really excited to have him on, so please welcome to the podcast, Isaac Knox. Thanks for jumping on, Isaac. Hey, hey, how you doing, Tito? Good, how you feeling? I feel good, man. I feel like uh, it's a good season of the world right now. It's an optimistic time. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, yeah. I, I'm a little nervous yeah. talking to you. Okay. I, I guess it's like every interview that I do beforehand, I always have the pre-show jitters. Do you still get that? I I do still get pre-show jitters. Not not every time, but okay. Uh, but I consider it a compliment to whatever I'm about to do when I do have those jitters. Okay. Um, because in my experience, uh, whenever I've had to do something uh, important when it comes to entertainment or I really want it to succeed, if I don't feel any jitters, it's usually a bad show. Like, like for some reason, nerves help lock me in because it means I care. Um, ah. So I've, I've learned to see nerves as a compliment. So you've had shows where you didn't feel it. Yeah, yeah. And then I just feel off. I went out there without being sharp because it was like, you know, obviously you want to trust what you do. Trust is like the the biggest word for me as a as a performer and as, um, you know, someone who's got big goals is just just trust it. But that being said, if you're not focused because you're like, oh, this is going to be easier. I got this or I'm just I'm or my head is elsewhere. Like something else happening in my life is what I'm thinking about and not what I'm doing. Yeah. Like that that equals a disaster whereas sometimes when i have nerves i'm like all right i care about this yeah so let's nail it i'm lucky to be connected with really talented people we have a connection back in orlando like we know of each other you're not a complete stranger Um, yeah yeah but it it's still like yeah you're right it's like i care about making sure that we're doing this dance well and presenting something really high quality so yeah i feel a little better about it but you know it's like it's still that feeling every time i jump into it i even i took a couple weeks off of doing this so even just that feeling of getting back into it again you gotta be like oh okay i gotta get yeah that little bit of rust that that reminder that you still are this person you still do this well right um and all of that but no we'll we'll uh we'll be good dance partners yeah for sure i guess yeah, where to start? Let's just start by sharing your resume, if you will. I mean, share a little bit about where you're located, all the things you're involved in. What's keeping Isaac busy these days? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I I appreciate uh, you know you lobbing it up for me to share some of that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'm in Orlando. I'm a I'm a huge word nerd, so everything I do uh, has had something to do with words and and music and uh and making people laugh or be entertained and and getting people involved so um i mean you said some of it before i i was real deep in the battle rap scene i'm still an active battle rapper um and uh and i love that you know uh me starting that was a similar era to when we met because i was just part of the local music scene as well right um so you know meeting uh musicians and singers and writers like yourself uh and trying to figure out where i fit in and all that so um so i did i've done years uh of the artist thing um you know done the whole like starving touring artist for a long time Mm -hmm. actually loved that and still itch for the road all the time um, so, so I make music, I battle rap, uh, the more unique branch of it was the freestyle side, you know, making up raps in the moment, uh, on the spot about people that I'm seeing and ideas that are just thrown at me. Um, and I feel very fortunate cause Orlando actually had a thriving scene for that. Totally. Uh, and, and as I've traveled, I've realized how rare that is. Really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you'll find a freestyler here or there, and and there's a couple parts of the country that are are known for having it. But for the most part, like in the hip hop community, people don't really freestyle, and the definition of freestyle is different in certain areas when it comes to rap. Um, so I feel fortunate to have come up in the Orlando scene. 
Uh, and I got so attached to freestyle rap. It, it checked a lot of boxes for me. I was a big improv fan. Whose line is it anyway? You know, Wayne Brady being oh, yeah. one of my heroes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and of course, like the battle rap side being competitive. Like my first love was basketball, but luckily I learned young enough. I was never going to make it to the league. So I pivoted, but still getting to like have that competitive element and that, um, and you know, hip hop was the soundtrack of the sport. So freestyle rap brought in my theatrical side, my improv side, my competitive side, the part of me that loves poetry. Yeah. Um, so that's been what I've like focused in on for most of the last decade and been able to turn into my living and, uh, and really the, the one craft that I've been able to give at least 10,000 hours, um, so, so yeah, me and some guys that I freestyle with, we uh, locked in on it, created a company called Free Daps, and getting into the resume side of things, I mean, we've had uh, residencies for years at uh, Disney Springs, at Walt Disney World, mm-hmm. at Universal Studios, we've played NBA halftime shows that uh, went viral, it was actually... I saw pretty- you on ESPN. Yeah, it was really cool during, uh, um, especially during the pandemic, uh, you know, Sports Center was, you know, looking for more content because, you know, sports wasn't going on. So they were doing all sorts of creative top tens. Uh, and they did a Sports Center top 10 for uh, the best halftime shows. And yeah. we made that. And then they wow. did another one that was just the best, like, um, crowd moments in sports and because our halftime show went into the crowd we also made that top 10 which is really cool how was that like was that like a full circle moment for you because so it all started off with basketball yeah yeah with that i mean that was a if you if you read my like fifth grade elementary school graduation yearbook Mm -hmm. um you know it's asking me what i'm going to be doing in 10 years or whatever and uh and i i'm saying i'm going to play in the nba is because you know a lot of fifth graders think they will and uh so it definitely was full circle to be like you know i left those dreams uh early into my teens but have kept the love for it. So the fact that I've had a lot of NBA and basketball related opportunities through rap and through what I ended up being called to do yeah. uh, is insanely rewarding because not only have I uh, been able to perform NBA halftime shows at the playoffs, you know, wow. Amway Arena, a really, really cool opportunity there. That was, um, I mean, that'll make you tear up when you feel the way I do about that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But uh, but we got to do an exciting thing with the Orlando Magic once where on media day, we were just one of the like interview booths they would come to mm-hmm. and we would interview the different players and they had no idea that we were freestyle rappers. So we would take the interview and then a beat would drop and we would use every answer <laughs> they gave us and like spit it back to them with jokes and punchlines about, you know, because we're asking them their favorite foods and TV shows and all these things that the other media booths aren't asking them about uh and that was a cool experience because eventually word got around within the roster that that's what our booth was so some of the players would like skip interviews to come to our booth and get rapped about that's how you do it that's how you get them on your side yup yup no that was that was real cool and uh you know our the magic's uh all-star i mean we recently traded him but nick vucevic it was funny because uh i ran into him at the i ran into him at the post office like three days later and like he recognized me and we just had like a small talk in line getting ready to mail stuff it was it, it was just a cool feeling that i was like i live a very very weird blessed life and i'm very <laughs> uh humbled by it yeah um yeah, I mean, I got to do an event with uh, with Nike and Paul George at Kennedy Space Center. Like, they were launching a new shoe, and he was the, like, face of the shoe. And they built a basketball court with all of these, you know, rockets, like, real rockets displayed behind us. Yeah. And we got to freestyle at this basketball tournament there and interview Paul George. Um, and there's been a few other, like, basketball-related things. I've, uh... Um, Actually, one of my first opportunities as a rapper and MC was with a semi-pro team called the Florida Flight. And uh, me and my rap group at the time, we MC'd their games. And uh, and as I got to know the owner, he would throw these big charity games. And he actually threw one at Amway Arena. And because I'm in entertainment, I qualified as one of the like notable Orlando people to be on the like team to play against the real semi-pros. Yeah. And so I got to play in a few uh, charity basketball games. Um, so honestly, it's 
that for me personally is the coolest part of my life trajectory is that I feel like my original dream is paying off in ways that didn't exist before. Right. It's still there. That's really, yeah. that's really incredible. And, it, and the opportunities that you've landed so far, you know, is, is already bearing a lot of fruit and a lot of um, satisfaction and, and, and fulfillment. I guess when going back to your first love being basketball, yeah. The departure from that, was it like a sad departure where you're like, you know, because you, you mentioned that I'll never be a pro NBA player. Yeah, yeah. That realization, that moment where you realize that you had to pivot, was emceeing and rapping already in the picture or did you have to discover that? And what was that transition like? Um, I kind of had to rediscover it. So, um, so I wrote my first rap in the third grade, but it I'm, it was terrible. I, I think I remember like two lines from it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, every once in a while, writing a poem or a song or something would come to mind. But obviously, my, my big focus in my younger years was I wanted to play basketball. And it's funny, this was, I, I definitely think this was kind of an, an act of God or the mm-hmm. way that it timed out. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> and it's, and I think it's kind of ironic. So... Uh, I played a lot, but I didn't actually make my school teams in middle school, which, you know, was fine. I was I was an awkward, chubby teen. I wasn't going to make the team anyway. Uh, even though I had a shot, your boy had a J. Um, <laughs> okay. But, uh, hang, some hang time there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and so going into ninth grade, I was like, all right, I'm really going to go for it. And I got kind of a strange knee condition. Um, it's got a funny name, uh, and I know a couple of the people that have had it, called Ajgud Schlatters, which sounds like an Irish person with a lisp. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but it's like all these teeny tiny little fractures that swell up in your knee when you uh, play sports, and, um, and it was real painful. And so I'm going into high school, and I develop this condition, and I'm like, man, I, I can't audition for, or I can't try out. See, I've been so far out of sports, I'm calling them auditions. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't try out for... <laughs> audition uh, versus the sports teams. <laughs> yeah, I really I really outed myself as, uh, <laughs> as an entertainer now. Um, so I couldn't try out for the team or anything like that because uh, of this knee condition. And I was like, man, I was also going through that, you know, that early teen time of figuring out who you are. Mm-hmm. And all through middle school, I was insecure about how much I loved theater. Um, mm. I felt like I felt like it wouldn't be considered cool. And uh, and so I was trying so hard to be the basketball kid and like leave my theater kid side away and like hidden. And so when I couldn't uh, try out for any sports. I was like, I'm going to join drama club. Uh, and what I discovered, what it, it was such an inviting and inclusive group of people that I kind of grew into myself. Yeah. And, uh, and through performing there and getting having more creative outlets, it re-sparked, you know, the music side for me. And I also met the guy that I started my first rap group with in Drama Club. So that started to lead me to rap. But what's the funny part of all of it, because I do think it was not only a God thing for me to get hurt in a way that forced me to pivot and open doors to, for what my real calling was. Mm-hmm. But after I had committed to the music and drama club side, I hit my growth spurt. I became a much better athlete. <laughs> like all, like if I had had, uh, if I was the, the athlete and the person I was in 11th grade in ninth grade, I never would have pursued drama. Cause I would have been like, Oh, okay. I am supposed to go after this whole sports thing. Right. You're a tall dude right i mean how tall yeah yeah i'm i'm six three and uh yeah and i mean basketball is still my main source of exercise i play pretty often now yeah um but uh it is it is just real funny that the it was almost like god was like don't you're gonna be tall you're gonna get to enjoy your love of basketball but i'm going to put a full halt on you pursuing it professionally first and mm. show you the other direction and now you can have your height and abilities in your hobby wow so if you had a choice between professional rapper versus professional NBA player, what would you choose? I mean, (laughs) I'm not hesitating because it's a hard question. I'm hesitating because my answer is the wrong thing to say. It would be the NBA in a heartbeat. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Were were you like, what, what era were you in? Were you like the Vince Carter, Kobe, Michael Jordan? Who was your team? 
tail end of uh, Michael Jordan. I loved Vince Carter. My all-time favorite player is Tracy McGrady. Okay. Uh, nice. Big T-Mac fan. I had all the shoes. Yeah. Uh, I researched all of his favorite things based on a Sports Illustrated for Kids article. Or, yeah. Um, I remember In those. elementary school. Yeah, yeah. And I sent him a letter that was an invitation to my birthday party uh, <laughs> claiming that all of his favorite things were going to be there. And I'm pretty sure my parents were not going to let me watch Scarface, but I told Trace McGrady we'd be watching Scarface. <laughs> was that his favorite movie? It was, according okay. to the article, yeah. Nice. Uh, so I was like, yeah, we're going to, ho- like his hobby was bowling or something. I was like, we're going to go bowling, then we're going to watch Scarface, then, you know, we're going to eat. I don't remember the food. Yeah. Uh, and I ended up getting one of those, like, auto-response fan mail letters. Yeah. Uh, but even getting that, like, made my year so right but see like even that alone already set you up going back to your opportunities with nba players and interviewing them yeah you kind of like are picking out the things that they like to do you were doing that back then already yeah yeah and i like paying attention to that stuff it's funny um you know whether it comes to the basketball side or everything that my company does, mm-hmm. something that me and my business partner Jordan talk about a lot. Shout out is, to Jordan. Yeah, shout out to Jordan. Jordan Keys. It's Keys on TikTok. He's really famous on there, so go follow him. Nice. Um, <laughs> uh, but something we talk about is how appreciative we are for like not just our our travel, but also our kind of curious and our nature to observe Mm -hmm. because uh you know me wanting to learn everything about tracy mcgrady and i and i always was even in high school um i felt i felt almost weird for how much i knew about strangers because i would kind of group hop during lunch me and me and a buddy of mine uh we were friends with a lot of people but not like in the group with a lot of people so Mm. we would just kind of say a bunch of hellos yeah but I was always just noticing things and I mean, not on purpose, not like on some creeper stuff, but I would then be at like a high school football game and be introduced to somebody and to an almost scary degree, I could be like, oh yeah, you're so-and-so, you're friends with this person and you eat lunch over there and you were dating this person, but I'm sorry, you know, looks like things ended last month. I just knew it because without even realizing I observed it and what, where that comes in to what I do now is in these freestyle rap shows you know if i'm asking you where you're from or what you do or what your hobbies are or where you want to visit in the world or whatever it is i mean the answers have unlimited range that you might give me and i need to have something to say about it i need to know something about it so you know when i was doing these shows at disney and we have people coming from small towns in wisconsin or in ohio because of uh, the fact that I've been blessed enough to travel, even when it's been for pennies or mm-hmm. at a loss, I've been blessed to travel mostly on the road. So I'm hitting these small towns uh, and I'm observant by nature. Yeah. So I I take a lot of pride in the fact that it's like, I know something about your little town. Yeah. Or if I don't know it, I know something about a nearby town or regionally, I know what the I know what the food item is that you guys only eat over there. And that builds a connection. Yeah, your term for this, your yeah, um, you know, even what the sports teams or what the uh, you know, there's oh, there's an Air Force Museum in Dayton, Ohio, and so I'm gonna do I'm gonna include that in the freestyle just to like wow this guest and um and it's something where when we bring people into our team and we train them to do our shows, there's the mechanics of it and there's obviously the ability to freestyle and no structure and play off of somebody else yeah. and deliver it theatrically, but the one thing you can't teach is just were you curious and a culture junkie growing up because mm. you need it to lead the show gotcha so that's more yeah. you it, it sounds like it's it's that personality type is more built in baked into your dna rather than a learned skill yeah i would say that i would say that it can be learned and can chosen learned. Yep. but that but because you have no idea what you're going to be given in a show mm-hmm. it's it's hard to make the choice of what to then study up on. Mm. You know, you might say like, oh, I don't I don't know a lot about different African cultures. So if somebody says they want to go to Egypt or Nigeria or just Africa in general, they might not have information to pull from. So somebody might 
say that's what I want to learn about so I'm prepared if it comes up in a show but they might go two years without doing a show where somebody says Africa is where they want to visit oh wow so you're you know so look looking at it from a, a researcher's perspective you as a freestyle rapper you're always collecting and filling up as much information as possible in the instance that the trigger pops up of oh I need to bring up this yeah i would say that's the difference between the the being naturally curious the one who's naturally curious is doing that without knowing it and then there's the person who is taught to do that for the sake of the show and that's where it's tricky because you you don't know what you know category to to learn about because because it's unpredictable what you're going to get in the show so when you were asking about like is it something you're just born with or it's in your nature it's easier if that's in your nature because you're going to come with at least a minor amount of knowledge on most things um but i do think it can be it can be learned it's just unpredictable to know what to learn you it's a little more natural to you do you do any type of research prep work type um maybe if it's a like specifically odd gig um or you know we do a lot of corporate events so maybe it's an Mm -hmm. industry where it's like you know if i had to do one rap about this industry i know i know enough buzzwords Mm -hmm. um and that's really what it is it's i'm not knowledgeable on a lot of things but i know three or four terms or something i can latch on to and expand to fake it um but if I say, uh, say I don't know much about like water and pipes and utilities and all that sort of stuff like that world, but I have mm-hmm. to do a whole show for a company where that's their industry, I might brush up on that. Because again, I know enough to give you one song about it. But if I have to give you a full show and this is going to come up a lot, I might want to go take a peek at you know, some of the systems in that world so that I can spit it back out. Yeah. Just to just to make sure that people aren't confused, because you, you did mention that like you traveling around, you noticed that there wasn't a lot of spaces built for freestyle improv. Can you can you kind of explain what FreeDaps does, say when you're at Disney Springs and you have a bunch of people traveling from all over the world coming into your little area and what can they expect from you guys yeah so uh so what we primarily do is as freestylers we are improvising songs uh roasts raps all of that about the audience and so uh some of the things you can expect to see is we'll ask the audience to hold things up out of their pockets so that you know that we really are making it up on the spot and about them and we try to get to everybody and get immersed in the crowd we might ask you for your name uh and rhyme off of that and go person to person learning names and giving them a rhyme uh we might bring a lady out of the audience and ask her a bunch of questions and using her answers create a love song where the two rappers are competing for her love but we're using her job and her hobbies and you know where she wants to travel um we might create rap battles we might you know we have we got a lot of different uh, ways that we gamify and structure what we do. Um, you know, there's a, a dance freeze that we do sometimes where we pull up some people. We don't tell them that they're going to dance. We just ask for who loves to party. And then we tell them that we're going to play a song where when, he, when we say move, they dance as crazy as possible. And when we say freeze, they freeze in a pose that they were dancing in. Yeah. And the verse is going to be us using their poses basically as props or making a punchline about how they're posed and, you know, saying, you know, this dance is called, I forgot to put on Dio or whatever based on how they're you know whatever they're uh positioned in um and that's a fun game uh we let people give us the hardest words they can think of and we rhyme every single syllable of it yeah um you know we there's it really is whose line is it anyway meets eight mile um you know it's it's got elements of like a wild and out but we really are interacting with the audience and we really are making it up on the spot yeah um and that really sets us apart wow yeah and it's really impressive to watch it's almost one of those things that you have to experience it for yourself it like explaining it doesn't do it justice and i think what you mentioned about you know the tourist from ohio who just happens to stumble upon your performance and you pick out a random Ohio reference. It's like magic. 
like in the moment it's very i don't know for you may it's it's it probably seems so normal but like to people like myself i i still cannot wrap my head around how you can improvise that quickly how how would you explain that mechanism to people with improv and freestyling is there a way to yeah. explain that like technique or method um yeah, there definitely is. I mean, we we teach workshops and courses on it. I do think it's a learnable skill. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone will have a different ceiling, but everyone's ceiling is way higher than they think it is. Really? Um, so you teach yeah. it? We do. We teach it. And, uh, and it's just a muscle that people haven't learned how to exercise before. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because... Uh, you know, I'll speak to professional improvisers and we'll sort of say the same thing to each other where, you know, they'll oftentimes be very impressed by what I do by putting improv into rhyme. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell them like, I'm lost without a beat or a rhyme structure to improvise with the fact that you can just like be in a character and do this, tell this long form story and, uh, and make it interesting and natural. Like, I I will be in my head uh, if I try to do that and be terrible at it. So it is funny how um, it's it's improv, but it's a different type of improv. Uh, but yeah, getting into without nerding out on the structure. Um, oh, please do if you want to. Yeah, I mean I I can nerd out on the structure all day. There's <laughs> uh, you know there's two different primary types of freestyling. There's the natural way where you say something and you rhyme with it, say something and you rhyme with it, and that's what I call free flowing, or some call it zoning. Um, okay. And. Uh, and that's how we all first start trying to freestyle. And the benefits of that version um, is not only are you going to go down a rabbit hole that can be a lot of fun uh, because you're letting things, you're not doing any thinking ahead in your freestyle. Uh, you can actually focus rhythmically a little bit better. So usually the sonic value of that kind of freestyling is better. Can you and explain can, that? What do you mean? Um, so uh, it, it'll actually... It'll make more sense when I explain what the other version of freestyling is. Okay. And I will, uh, so I will circle back to that. Sure. Um, in fact, I'll get into the second version right now. The other version um, is called target rhyming, or some call it setup punch. And it's still in the moment. Um, but let's say you're asking me to rap about a phone. Um, if I were free flowing, I would just like say, you know, uh, this guy's got a phone and I'm known in the zone. I'm home and you know that I'm destined for the throne or whatever. But I'm just like yeah. spitting out rhymes as I'm doing it. Okay. Right. But if I am target rhyming, I am setting up phone. So instead of saying it, I'm rhyming with it first. And that gives my brain an extra split second to create a punchline around phone. So imagine someone in the audience is holding it up. Right. And I could do some of those like fillery rhymes again, you know. I'm known in the zone or whatever. I, uh, I'm on point like a pine cone or whatever. Yeah. Um, but then I might say, your girl's calling me so much I had to get a second phone. As I point to the phone, the fact that it lands as the punchline, there's this like payoff element of your item was what the momentum led to. Right. And it's more crowd-pleasing. It's basically the battle rap structure of landing punchlines. So these are the two forms of freestyling, and they're both in the moment, right? So the advantage to target rhyming is that you get this big payoff you can land punchlines you if you are if you learn the mechanic quick enough to always be spotting what your next target rhyme is it means you always know how your rhyme's going to end which almost takes the pressure off mm. um so that's the advantage of it the disadvantage is in that setup measure when you're finding your Uh, target rhyme or when you're trying to think of how you want to contextualize it there is a split second oftentimes of hesitation or uh or filler or you know we'll have these crutch uh phrases like for me i say yeah that's right when i'm thinking and i don't realize i'm saying it till i watch myself back on video and i'm like i said yeah that's right 17 times right it's Um, like when someone says freestyle from the top of the dome or something like that exactly exactly Yep. And so, uh, so you get that thinking moment and then also it's so punchline focused that you're, uh, you know, you're a musician. So, um, so usually the setup rhyme is coming sort of late in the measure or at least the phrasing of it is. So you're not really like starting, uh, your rap on the one sometimes cause your mm-hmm. brain's just like, what do I want to set up? Yeah. So rhythmically it can feel almost staggered, um, and not as like fluid. 
And that's why going back to the free-flowing, even though you have less of a chance to be landing punchlines when you're just, you know, saying whatever you see immediately, because you are only in the moment you're in and not thinking about the next measure, the rhythm of it comes out smoother on average. So that's kind of the pros and cons of both. Um, but I but I teach how to work both of those things. Um, and, uh, and when you really get into it, like with my company, we learn when to use which format. So yeah. Is it harder to learn one or the other, or is it the same uh, skill level that it takes to um, get it? It's harder to learn target rhyming in the moment, but I think it's a bigger payoff mm. because with free flowing, as as much as there are ways to practice, the primary way is just just do it and practice makes perfect. Whereas with target rhyming, there are more specific and focused exercises you can do to learn that mechanic. Um, and uh, so it's harder to learn, but when you learn it, you feel and can see and almost measure your progression to a greater degree. For the students that you're teaching, yeah, what is the very first kind of resistance block that you notice that people have? I have my assumptions. My, my assumption is that for me, I just have a hard time opening up my mind to be in that free-flowing state. Yeah, I mean, you start judging yourself, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and, and you get self-conscious, and you want it to be good, and you feel awkward. And I mean, having a freestyle that, that doesn't rhyme or doesn't find what it wants to say can sound like somebody singing off pitch. Mm -hmm. You know, it can sound like a wrong note. Yeah. Uh, and, and nobody wants to, to be the person who played or sang the wrong note. I get that. But the very first thing that I do... Uh, in any of my workshops, whether it's a full like eight week course or we just have one two hour session together, is we actually practice not rhyming and rapping badly and getting out of your head, but oh. like leaning into it. And I think this applies to anything. I've always said it's a very, very simple math equation. If half of your brain is occupied by worry, that's literally half of your brain is unavailable to do the thing. Mm. So by removing it, you actually have, you've made succeeding easier because all of your brain is just doing the craft instead of only half of it being able to be used because the other half's occupied by worry. So... Um, so that's one of the first things we get into is, you know, even as we do introductions, like, you know, what's your name? Why are you taking this? And you might be like, oh, well, I'm Tito and I'm a, I'm a musician. And so I thought that maybe learning freestyle would, uh, help me with finding new, new branches of what I do as a songwriter. Um, and so, and I, uh, and I play guitar. So I might say, okay, and we'll do this right now, Tito. Um, I'll be like, all right, you play guitar. What doesn't rhyme with guitar? Apple. Apple, that's great. What uh, what doesn't rhyme with apple? Orange. <laughs> I'm gonna go orange. with fruits. <laughs> <laughs> we go all fruits. Yeah. Uh, okay. okay. I can um, feel you, you myself. I can feel myself starting to get stressed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What does rhyme with apple? S Snapple. Snapple. Uh, and and so I'll continue yeah. with this like line of thinking, and then I'll then I'll pull away from it, and I'll say the first time I ask you, and you kind of knew it was coming, so maybe this didn't work on you, but uh, uh, the first time I ask you what doesn't rhyme with something, what did your brain do first? Oh man, I went with like a. You went with A. Okay, perfect. So you uh, you had a very logical sense. What what most people do, especially because they don't know that these questions are coming, uh -huh. um, is they'll say, oh, my brain rhymed with it first. And then I had to say, like, no, 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 no. I have to not rhyme. That, um, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and what that tells me and what I tell people is it goes, A, it means that your brain knows what rhymes. And B, when the pressure is off you can access your rhyme bank so quickly. Yeah. Uh, and so it's all about getting out of your own way to access that rhyme bank. And, you know, we talk about expanding it and not being married to exact rhymes. Um, in fact, I think that for the most part, like perfect rhymes make for bad songs. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so, um, so we get into some of that stuff. That's so interesting. So how much do you deal with like, or how much do you know about like, like the subliminal mind because i feel like you're in that zone all the time like you're yeah. accessing some part of your subliminal to access these rhymes because i mean when you asked me i guess in the split second i was thinking okay well i'm not thinking of a rhyme 
So what's the next step in that split second? So I went with Apple. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I could see someone going, oh, I thought of the rhyme first, actually. Yeah. That's yeah. I, uh, like, I don't, I don't know if I could speak with expertise on the subliminal sure, mind, right, but I yeah. do, but, but I do think absolutely what, what my craft does deals with that. It deals with, uh, accessing it and trusting it mm-hmm. and you know um and one of the biggest keys is not to judge yourself especially when i'm teaching the target rhyming technique where you're setting something up uh something that i find is we'll do exercises where you know i'll let students go back and forth or go at their own pace but they'll have like some items on a table or even just one item like say it's a star wars action figure so now they need to have like star wars rhymes um and uh and i'll see somebody look like they're going to go in and then choose not to look like they're going to go in and then choose not to. Oh, you could see it. Yeah. And I can immediately be like, you're trying to pick a new target rhyme. You're, you don't like the one that came to your head. So you're trying to find a better one. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, never do that because the second, uh, the second you don't trust your first choice, you're also not going to trust your second, third or fourth choice. And then you're just going to be stuck. So whatever comes to mind first trust it lean into it nail it and then move on to the next one and what you're going to find out is that your first second third and fourth choice were all successes because you leaned into them Mm. and because and you did it with confidence but the you got out of your own way and just said you know if the only thing i could think of for star wars was space and you thought that was too vague or dumb doesn't matter because you landed the word space in your rhyme and that was terrific and the next thing you said was lightsaber and that was more specific and now you feel great about it but if you hadn't trusted space you wouldn't have trusted your next few ideas and 30 seconds later you haven't said anything wow you're breaking down so many peop- of people's insecurities in that practice. How did you develop that skill? Is it just because you, you've you been doing it for so long that you know what people are thinking and you could identify when they decided to skip a, a target? I think there's a whatever makes me good at that which i hope i hope i am and i and i feel like i am whatever makes me good at that is a is a cocktail of things um my dad was uh, a motivational speaker and he taught goal setting and uh ah. and positivity and trusting yourself and okay. you know every morning i had to recite this affirmation statement before i left for school um that he wrote so uh so just the knack for wanting to like trust and see and bring the best out of people comes from my dad um and uh and you know empathy from my mom so really trying to see what are they going through but Mm -hmm. also um just the fact that i do love this craft so much but nobody taught me how to do it so in order to teach it i had to consciously deconstruct it you know how do i how do i give somebody in eight weeks what for for me was years of trial and error and just being immersed in the culture. Right. Um, and, uh, and so through deconstructing it, I've discovered these are the hesitations. These are the things that make progress slower. Um, and I've been there. So taking whatever good things I got from my upbringing and the fact that I do love teaching, then the fact that this craft is the one thing I do have expertise in. So I, so I'm uniquely qualified to spot, what stage people are in and what's going on in their heads with this one thing mm-hmm. i think that's the cocktail that um that allows me to be able to help people through it that's really cool so you you teach uh you said eight week program uh yeah i mean it ranges from four to eight weeks usually it's uh through sat comedy lab in orlando um but we've okay. done them online as well um but i also love like one of my processes one of the first ways that I was starting to kind of make a little bit of money or uh, or make the most out of what I do is when I would book out-of-state rap battles, um, I would typically travel alone, but what I would do is contact a local improv theater and be like, hey, this is who I am and what I do. Would you be interested in me teaching a freestyle rap workshop for your ensemble or you can open it up for the public? And most of the time, they're, they say yes, uh, which is really the improv spirit of yes and. Yeah. Um, so, 
Uh, so that would be a cool thing where I'd come to a city like Vancouver or Atlanta uh, or wherever to do a rap battle, and I'm I'm already gonna be in town doing what I love, but now I can teach um, and you know maybe make a little bit more money to take home and keep the lights on yeah. through teaching, and I love doing that. That's amazing. And and what have you found um, your students from week one to week four, week one to week eight? Like, have you noticed like a complete change in even just posture? Because a lot of it is confidence, right? And, and tr- like yeah. you said, it's trust. I guess if I could share a little bit of my uh, my insecurities, I am the type to over plan everything. Yeah. And yeah. I write like you know, if actually when I was putting together this interview, I usually write notes um, on my laptop and I was a little bit intimidated because I'm like, man, this guy, this is what he does. He freestyles. He thinks quickly. He could just pull it out. No problem. And I'm over here typing up so many things that, you know, I won't even get to everything that I typed up because of just the nature of the conversation. But I always like go, why am I always the type to always feel like I have to over prepare to feel prepared? If, if I was day one coming into that eight weeks later... If you teach me something, that's that would change the way I my posture in how I view my creativity. So like what type of things do you notice within your students just in the short 8 weeks? Yeah, and uh and I mean first of all, there's nothing wrong with being incredibly prepared. Mm-hmm. Um it's funny I uh and and this does lead into the answer to your question. Yeah. Um but there's this great phrase that I got from an acting school that I've taken some classes at over the past few years. Um and they would say to be prepped, not planned, um, which basically meant to be ready for anything. Um, and uh, but because you've prepped, you can trust it with the class. Yeah, I, I do see tremendous growth. I do see people being able to trust themselves, being a little bit more confident. I think they find ways to apply um, what we learn about freestyle rap to many other parts of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of people are business professionals and they, um, you know, now they're going to be more confident when they make presentations to their team. Um, or even just the mechanic of target rhyming uh, teaches you how to lead to your point. So mm-hmm. even when you're writing a presentation, uh, instead of feeling like you're rambling, you know what you're aiming for and that gives you your button. Um, and, uh, True. Yeah. And so I see some of that stuff come through, but I do see people get looser and they start to have fun with it and they and they realize by the end of it that A, they can learn a new skill, uh, that they can have fun, they can trust themselves and be loose, but it makes them more proficient, like the looseness makes them better at the craft. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I do see tremendous growth with that. Um, it's funny, my, uh, me and my roommate were talking about um, an interview between um, Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars. You know, they're obviously yeah. killing it right now Silk with the Sonic. single. And yep. yeah, everyone's waiting on the album. Um, and they're talking about their process. And Bruno Mars is the perfectionist. He's the one that says, you know, I'll work on the same song and start over for a week or two. And Anderson Pack is the one that's like, uh, you know, whatever it is, let it be what it is. And he'll mm. knock out, he'll knock out an album in a week. Um, yeah. and, uh, and they've talked about how they've been able to pull from each other, you know, to kind of meet in the middle and round out how they are as creatives. Um, so I do think that if you come from a place of over-preparedness, you might come out of a course like mine trusting yourself even when you haven't prepped as much as you thought you did or when you have to make a last-minute shift. Right. You can still kind of trust it. Um, and then people that... Uh, People that are overly loose um, might might gravitate to the more structured parts of freestyle of like, hey, with a partner, you need to pass it on every four measures, and we're mm. le- going to learn how to count bars, and and there is going to be an instruction to this, and it's not going to be just free form. Um, and so hopefully from that they can pull, uh, you know, the the logical side or whatever that means. So there's a lesson. There's something for everybody wherever they're at in the process. Yeah, I I would like to think so. I think that'd be good for marketing. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, true. no, I think that's true. I, I'm curious. Do you do you approach your personal life as a freestyle, or are you like a calculated person? <sighs> it's funny. Every <laughs> and and I'm not even trying to like get out of answering it. Mm-hmm. Truly, to a frustrating degree, 
every personality test I've ever taken basically gives me the shrug emoji and says, you're in the middle on everything. <laughs> okay, like, so you're a balance. Like, yeah, when I've done, like, even Myers-Briggs, I've I've been an E 10 times and an I 10 times. Wow, um, okay. Yeah, uh, and so... Um, so I'm a little bit of both. It sort of depends on the room I'm in. I I do, uh, my nature is to crave balance or for things to be well-rounded. Like, you know, if there's, uh, if there's five people in a room and four of them are speaking ill about somebody who's not there, I'll be the one to be like, yeah, but here's the other side. Okay. Uh, and it's like, I might not even like the person. I just felt like they needed an advocate in the room. Okay. Um, and so in relationships, it really does depend on who I'm with. If I'm with somebody who is a like strict over planner, I might try to inspire a little bit of looseness or like, let's have a day where we don't know what's going on or, you know, we, we don't know where we're going to eat, but we'll figure it out. Um, but when I'm with somebody who would rather take the, the back seat and I'm put in the position of leadership, I will be the over planner all day, every day. So it really does depend on what the need is in the relationship. Right. But, but both feels natural to you it's not like you're trying to conform your personality to a need it's still who you are yeah and and i honestly i honestly do feel that way i you know i almost feel weird owning that but yeah it's i think it's true wow that i mean that can be very useful especially in a team um are you and jordan the the only two co-founders of free yeah, we're the two co-founders. We have a larger team. Uh, a guy named Heath McNeese is basically uh, right there with me and Jordan um, yeah. in terms of being full-time. Um, he's who I live with, and he's uh, invaluable and incredible. Um, but then we have a further extended team that goes about 12, 13 performers deep. Oh, wow. And how do your um, personality types, how do, they, how do the puzzle pieces fit as far as who's the the planner who's the more free who's the visionary who's the specifics yeah um especially when it comes to like music making i would say jordan will come with the roots or the skeleton of an idea more often and then what i'll, I'll sort of be the interior decorator of the house he's built when it comes to our music okay. um or and that goes with our business side too We'd be like, man, I think that we should pursue this or have, um, you know, find a way to put this angle in the show or whatever it is. Um, and I'll be like, yes. And if we do it this way or if we incorporate this, then it'll really have like a pop and like, you know, uh, a prestige to it or it'll be more fun this way. And so I would say that he's uh, he's probably the the one that. I don't even know if that fully answers the question, but I would say that he brings the roots of ideas and can be the more structured one uh, at times. Mm -hmm. And I'll be the one that like recognizes that that's a great idea. And because it inspires, like I have the last piece or yeah. I have the other half of the idea, but none of it would exist without, you know, him initiating it. Yeah. But really, Really, we're both the the improvisers and the creatives, and it's his wife who is the planner that makes everything happen. Yeah. She's our operations manager, and we would not be an existing company without her. So <laughs> shout out to Heather Keys. Heather does everything. Runway, yeah. free daps. She's superwoman. She's, yeah. And, you know, and, you know, they have, they have a kid and, uh, she's in charge of Jordan's sanity, which is, you know, a lot of work in itself. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it helps too that you, you can vacillate between different roles depending on what's needed. I, I would think that that's a rare quality, especially if you're in business with someone, um, not to mention your business with one of your best friends and, you know, that can get really tricky. So I think it's cool that you two have figured out how to navigate that that world together. Has there been like what's a, what's a bad day at the office look like to you? I mean, it can just be we can talk about performance and like when you're having that off day. Um, what does that feel like and how do you navigate that? Rarely, rarely do bad days have to do um, with with how different personalities gel. Okay. Um, there, there are, you know, there's been decisions that me and Jordan have like really struggled on, but usually it's been any time that business meets like heart and personal where it's like, ah, 
you know, financially we shouldn't, you know, work with, uh, work with this person or thing or whatever, but they've meant so much to us in the past or this sort of thing. So th- those have been the struggles where, uh, where he and I have sometimes butt heads where it's like, where, at what, how much do we want to be businessmen and how much do we want to be, um, you know, people and humans, um, yeah. Uh, but mostly a bad day at the office will just be, you know, uh, challenging or unfair circumstances on, uh, on a gig. And honestly, who, who is the negative one and who is the one that's captaining the ship, uh, depends completely on Jordan's blood sugar. Um, Mm. because if, if he's low blood sugar, then I have to be the positive one that steps up. But if he's good, then I feel free to like fully indulge my frustration. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, So it really is like, like like, legit blood sugar. You talking about legit blood sugar. Yeah. 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 Uh, so he has, he has like hypoglycemia and all that. So, okay. Um, I understand my uh, wife is diabetic, so I know what that, how that goes. It's it's, it's rough sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it can be. And I mean, Jordan's awesome and on, and on top of it, but it's, I almost mean that humor, humorously yeah. that if there is a frustrating situation, I will only allow myself to be frustrated if he's good to be the face that, like, the the solver. Oh. You know, if it's like, if it's handled, cool. I'm, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to be angry for 10 minutes because you're good. But if, but if he's low blood sugar, then I have to be the positive one yeah. and fix it. So you guys, I'll do that. Yeah, you guys both can't be <laughs> low blood sugar. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Or else it's not going to uh, go well. So, so that that is funny. The the a bad day at the office is me having to. A bad day in the office will always involve me taking measure of like, do I get to be one of the frustrated ones, mm. or does the balance require me to play the other side? That's funny that you still have the capability to to determine what what you need to be at that specific moment. Most people just go off of what they're feeling and emotion. You're you're kind of like analyzing. You, do you see everything in slow motion? Because I mean, when you're freestyling, it seems like you're like in that spidey senses mode where you can just pull the words out of the ether and then come back to real time. I would say I would say maybe, but only only with the caveat of my brain has two speeds. One of them is the one that I have in the show and the that moves quickly and that turns on when it's any time anything I care about or I'm invested in. Mm-hmm. My other speed is like how did you correctly put pants on in the morning, dude? Oh, you so, you okay. you are just mashed potatoes right now. So nothing in between. Yeah. For instance, I I feel like my calling is very social. Like I'm professionally an extrovert, uh, but I really do get my energy from my alone time. Mm. And because I don't really have a middle speed, I find myself in social situations. It's this combination of like, if people are really paying attention to it, I probably do seem awkward or off but i feel like i hide it well where when i'm with people i'm engaging and i'm joking and i'm listening and i'm and i'm trying to you know be completely present but then i'll have to go to the bathroom or find some way or just kind of sneak away insanely often and i really am just like silent and recharging because I I need I need a fill up I need some alone time to go back and then be like my social self. Is that something you're mindful of anytime you're out there being extroverted? Um I I am and uh and a lot of us are are that way in the team uh to different degrees. Um like Jordan definitely is more of the extrovert. Um but uh but even, you know, he'll obviously need his recharges and we'll kind of take turns on that. But I am mindful of that. I've also been mindful of like how I rest best and something that quarantine reminded me of. I always thought this was just because of my schedule beforehand where I always had shows at night so my rest time was in the morning um but even during quarantine where I've had all the time in the world I've found that my mind is far too active in the evening to successfully rest there is mm. no movie that can succeed at giving me escape like after 4 p.m. so uh but I can rest so well in the mornings when like I haven't fully woken up yet to the point that I can put on any movie, be fully invested, fully escape, tear up, like 
I mean, bad movies, good movies, doesn't matter. Like, so I've had, I've actually learned how I rest best is like make a big breakfast and sit in front of the TV on the floor for two hours and then go have the rest of my day without any like rest or come down until I sleep. Oh, wow. So because your brain is so overly active all the time, you didn't know before how to manage that? Is that what kind of you're... Yeah, to a certain degree. Like, I I always... I was naturally getting my rest in the mornings when I was busy, but I thought that that's because it was the only time my schedule had room for. It was when my schedule became completely wide open that I was like, oh, I can't successfully rest alone in the evenings i have to do it in the mornings that's weird but maybe a healthy discovery so i know how to do it yeah once you discovered that you felt like you could perform at a higher level absolutely absolutely you know again uh, that goes back to like i don't know if i see everything in slow motion but if i do i either see everything in slow motion and then the other half of the time i am in slow motion there is no regular speed (laughs) yeah all right so final question for you isaac all right This can be within your personal goals or creative goals, whatever you want to choose. At this moment, what is something that you're working on to get better at? Ooh, to get better at. Yeah. Um, Okay. Um, A couple things. Uh, Professionally, I've been working on getting better at stand-up comedy. Um, because I think that it's a great way to find humor and entertainment in your natural and conversational speaking voice. And, uh, and in between freestyles, I think that's going to prove valuable. Um, I would kind of watch myself on tape, uh, and realize that the way I interviewed would be sometimes just a little bit too, too big or formulaic, which can work at a show at Disney. But if I'm doing like an on the street thing, um, I want it to be more, more natural and like a good host. So, um, so up has been one of the avenues I've taken for that. And then, um, probably on the personal side, uh, and I mean, we could do a whole other episode yeah. on this um but i uh i got divorced last year um yeah and i mean it's obviously not ideal uh i, I feel like for a bad thing it's happened as best as possible sure. and she and i are still like bros where we <laughs> we're we're good friends okay um but uh but that's not the point the point is um i have found that when you've spent so many years only being in a really, really serious relationship that when you move into the next one, you fall into that habit so quickly. Um, and so personally, I'm working on uh, on patience and um, and not in like a pretentious or arrogant way, but working on just being more selective with my words and my time mm. when it comes to my personal life. Um, yeah. And... Uh, and not just committing to the first person I connect with, you know, before you really figure out if it's working or not. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's been my personal lesson. Wow. That's beautiful. I, I love how transparent you are and would love to talk to you about that on, on another one. There's so many other things like I didn't, we didn't even touch on stand up because you yeah, do stand up yeah. comedy. There's a whole, there's different mechanisms there. And yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, that that's another aspect too that we we didn't get to touch on. But yeah, I'm sure we'll do this again. And yeah, that yeah. whole last question was just it, that was just a teaser for the next episode. There you for go. The See? Sequel. See for the actual punchline. Yup. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So this, this is this, the setup. Yeah. This entire <laughs> this entire episode was just uh, we're target rhyming the next one, and now you have the setup. Now you're ready. You're prepped. Uh, and and yeah, come back and we'll. We'll dive into stand-up comedy and relationships and divorce, which are uh, two very different but very related things. Oh, I'm excited to hear about how they're uh, related. Yeah. Um, so, Isaac, yeah, thanks for agreeing to do this. I, I've been lucky enough to see you perform at, man, multiple stages of your career. And I know there is so much more to see from you. So I, I wish you continued success. And I really appreciate you taking the time and speaking to me. I appreciate you, man. I'm a huge fan and huge amount of respect for who you are and what you do. So thanks for having me on. Thank you so much. And uh, just lastly, how can people find your stuff, get a hold of free daps? How can they find you? 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, the group stuff is all at Free Daps. Uh, that's Daps like Raps, D-A-P-S. Um, and you can find us on uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. But newly, you can find us on Twitch, where Ooh. we actually stream Tuesday and Friday nights at 9 Eastern, where we freestyle with the chat. So we do wow. what we do, uh, all interactive with the comments we're getting. It's a very cool community that's been building there. Um, so come find us. Come find us on Twitch and see our schedule if it ever changes. Um, and then personally, I'm uh, I'm Isaac Knox on everything. That's uh, Isaac with two A's, one S, um, and Knox like Fort Knox. So just I'm Isaac Knox on Instagram, on TikTok. I'm really active there. Yeah. Um, and oh yeah, your uh, stuff is he- perfect for like TikTok. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. And I actually do like teach and break down rhyme on there as well. Um, so, uh, so I'm having fun there, but anyway, find me at I'm Isaac Knox. You'll get a little bit of my, uh, rap and freestyle and comedy and personal side, uh, everywhere. So I got, I got nothing to hide. I'm having fun out there. Perfect. Thanks, Isaac. Thank you, Tito. All right. Isaac and Tito signing out. Thanks for listening to another episode of Craft Talk. We'll catch you next time. Bye.